heads crawled into whatever shade they could find and collectively dreamt of that first brisk morning in October when you could see your breath, J.T. himself would confront the heat head-on. Alone in his raft, he would kneel against the side tubes with his arms draped over the edge, staring in a kind of rapt hypnosis at the sheer walls across the river. Something in the flat midday light he'd found caused them to eventually start floating upstream, a mirage of the mind until he blinked, and then they would snap back into place until the next day sent them floating upstream again. It was a game he played, a game he'd never revealed to anyone lest they think him soft or spiritual or just plain wacky. But in fact, he was all three. J.T. Maroney's heart was in those walls, and had been since his first trip, thirty-five years ago, when someone handed him a life jacket and a paddle and said, Are you coming or not? It was in the polished maroon cliffs of Marble Canyon, the dusty tan layers of Coconino sandstone. It was embedded forever in the shimmering black walls of the inner gorge, land of the giants. It was in the scorpions and the velvet wasps and the stinging red ants that sent you running for a vial of ammonia. It was in the feathery tamarisk trees and the canyon wrens falling notes and the grumpy black-winged California condor he spotted without fail as they passed under Navajo Bridge the first day of every trip. It was in the tug of water around his ankle as he splashed about rigging his boat. It was in the sunlit droplets that danced above the roar of big water. Each trip changed him a little. This trip would change him a lot. It would change everyone in ways no one could have anticipated. But on the 4th of July, at the beginning of J.T.'s 125th trip, it wasn't about change. It was about drinking beer and eating pie and dreaming up new ways to fly the stars and stripes over the grandest river in the West. Chapter 1. Lee's Ferry, Mile Zero Up at Lee's Ferry, the night before the trip, J.T. sat on the side tube of his 18-foot neoprene raft, popped open a beer, and tried to remember exactly how many times he'd flipped his raft in Hermit. Deep in the inner gorge, ninety-five miles downstream, the runoff boulders from Hermit Creek collided with the Colorado River to create one of the longest hydraulic roller coasters in the canyon, wave after wave of foaming madness that could buckle a raft in seconds. The fifth wave, in particular, had a tendency to curl back upon itself, something that could easily flip a boat. J.T.'s goal was always to punch straight on through, aiming for just enough of a wild ride to give his passengers a thrill without actually flipping. Trouble was, sometimes the ride got ahead of itself, and J.T. hit that fifth wave with maybe too much weight in the back, And suddenly, there they were, rising up, hovering in midair with water roaring all around, and J.T. heaving his weight into the oars, even as he felt them go back and over, down into the churning froth, getting may-tagged and then popping up into the light, always disoriented until he spotted the white underside of his raft, 
which was usually right there beside him. And so it was, more than just a few times in his life as a guide, and although there were always a few who subsequently wanted off now, what made it all worthwhile was seeing the expressions on the other's faces as he hauled them up onto the upturned belly of his raft, expressions of shock, adrenaline, joy, fear, joy, excitement. And did he mention joy? Because that's what it was, usually the sheer exaltation of surviving a swim in one of the most powerful rivers on earth. J.T. tallied up the times he'd flipped. Five in all, if his memory served him well. Draining his beer, he tossed the empty can onto a tarp on the beach and reached into the mesh drag bag for another. The sun was still high in the sky, the water a deep turtle green.